what is this week's gratitude blooming theme? It's card number eight, the bleeding heart, representing community. This is an amazing flower. We've had some beautiful conversations, particularly with healthcare workers around this heart-shaped flower because it's also very medicinal. So I look forward to diving into this conversation, hearing what the artist Arlene Kim Suda, her story for this week, and the incredible conversation that we had with the dynamic super enthusiastic Rylan Engelhart, who is the co-founder of Kiss the Ground, a regenerative ag nonprofit that's just doing some amazing work, at the intersection of soil and climate change and community. It's going to be a fun conversation today. So Arlene, what came up for you rethinking the plant and this theme of community? Yeah, well, I loved recalling that the first time we did an episode on the theme of community in season one of the podcast, we called the episode an invitation to empathy. In the episode, I shared the story of how the word community was paired to the plant in the drawing, which is a bleeding heart growing from a friend's garden in Japan. So here's an excerpt of the story of the drawing from season one. So while I was drawing this plant, I was feeling so grateful for the connection to community from faraway places. And the further I got into the drawing, I couldn't help but notice how the clusters of leaves and flowers that make up this plant fell into distinct groups. There's a cluster of heart-shaped flowers at the very top, the individual rogue flower next to them, a group of large leaves with a couple blooms tucked underneath toward the bottom, in a group of leaves from another stem sprouting up in the center. Each of these groups looks so distinct, but also strangely all look like variations on a heart shape. A story of what it means to be in community seemed to emerge from this plant. How we tend to belong to our own groups, yet also really belong to the same plant and the plant feels more beautiful and more interesting in all its diversity. It's weird and wonderful looking at how this podcast has itself bloomed over time in a way that feels like I felt in the word community when I first drew the plant. It's like each of the guests we've had this season is one of those bunches or groups on the plant, yet really same of the, part of the same plant. So I'm feeling particularly grateful for this community space Belinda and Omar are creating that preserves a record of the often unheard but deeply rich human experiences and cultures that exist in our lives here and now. And I do think of each episode as an open invitation to practice empathy and listening in a way that really allows us to develop a deeper understanding and wonder for each of the unique stories told, which really are the stories of our shared humanity at this moment in time. Oh, Arlene, that's just beautiful. I love how you focused on the word community for this card. And I think, I don't know if we really have dove into 
that word. And so, and since you recalled season one, I was like, well, I'm going to look at the, the etymology, the root of this word of community. And it comes from French, communauté, which translates to reinforced by its source. And so when you describe community as just what is our shared humanity, it's like, well, this is our shared source. And in Latin, it goes back to communitas or common. Like, what do we share in common? And I just, and I feel like I just saw this meme today, in fact, which was like, how do we move from sympathy to empathy to really compassion, right? Like, and then compassion also shares the same root word of community, calm, which is with, right? Like, how do we be with people? And it's just been beautiful, frankly, to see the gratitude blooming grow. I mean, it's just particularly in the last few weeks. I mean, we've dealt with some thorny topics, some heavy hitters. And still, I think maybe we're tapping into something. Some of these things that we all feel, but we oftentimes don't have the space to acknowledge or explore in a shared way, which is partly what we love about gratitude as this pro-social emotion. It's just this opportunity to connect with each other in the good, the bad, the ugly ways. And I love this expression of the bleeding heart, Arlene, in the way that it's biodiverse. I've been thinking a lot about community and biodiversity and how nature is constantly optimizing for the greatest harmony in diversity, yet it can be hard sometimes doing that as people. Maybe plants just have a better sense of how to do that instinctively. And it's been really fun to bring the plants and the cards and the themes into our retreat center. And even with strangers, having conversations for the first time where you just see the plant and you're invited to talk about it and then being able to look outside and see nature mirroring some of those card themes. Like, for example, I know last week we talked a lot about the dying process with Katrina and I'm looking outside at my irises and all of a sudden after doing all that clearing in that one part of the land, I'm seeing the new irises blooming coming out of the ground. So there, it is interesting how there's this natural cycle that we're all a part of. And even the energy of today, I feel like it is a little different. Like there's a little spring in our step today, Arlene and Omar, where we're kind of, maybe we're all feeling a little bit of that sunlight coming through, the longer days, the light, the hopefulness that spring brings. I love that question about how does nature do diversity so well? Right. Like it is such a fascinating, like how does it, like, why is it not seem to be so much conflict, right? Like that the idea, it's not like the plants are judging each other. Oh, your petals are smaller than my petals or, you know, like the insects aren't like, Oh, I don't like the smell of this flower. It's just like everybody's actually trying to cooperate in some particular way to say, figure out like, Hey, how do we share these resources and recognize that it's in the sharing of these resources that more life is possible. Yeah. And I'd love this conversation that we have with Rylan about nature because that is very much his work and his life. So I always love talking to other people who 
live on land and hearing how they connect with their land. And he has a really beautiful way of connecting with the theme of uh, the Bleeding Heart, looking at the illustration that you made, Arlene. So I'm excited for you to hear his expression and reflection on the plant and the illustration. I see the sort of rippling of life starting where it's attached to the ground and then the buds of the flower kind of just sort of swelling with life and then at the end they're opening themselves up fully to be witnessed to be expressed and ultimately giving themselves freely whether it's through seeds or spores or nectar that's being released through their opening almost like a firework of offering oneself or the as the flower offers itself to the world around and now I'm looking at the word community in between and what I'm seeing in relationship to myself is when I'm reflecting or being that particular way of being a bleeding heart in community is when you know I am the richest that I've ever been my mom I call my mom a bliss ninny she's like a total and she's way more self-expressed than I am She's always just asking, would you like to hear me sing a song or share a poem? Or she's always wanting to animate a new idea that hopefully will inspire reverence, gratitude, connection in the moment. And she's always pushing people's buttons and limits in her sort of exuberance of sharing. So I think I definitely, my mom models this exuberance that I definitely carry And then my father and stepmother were the creators of Cafe Gratitude. And so clearly they came to a point through a lifetime of sort of spiritual work and many different spiritual teachers and courses and philosophies and uh, religions to this universal practice of gratitude. And it's amazing to see that animation that has come through my father, my mother, that's been animated through me, and then seeing that being animated now through my four-year-old son. appreciate how he thinks about community first through the lens of his family, his lineage. Where did it come from? And it sounds like it's very much a reflection of the community that he was able to be a part of through his family, and now what he's creating in his own family with his son. I've worked with his dad and his stepmother and their journey into gratitude. They first started with creating a physical board game, which I have. And then because they were like, how do we make gratitude fun and like engaging? And so they have this physical board game. And then from there, they're like, well, maybe we need to create a place for people to play this board game. So then they founded Cafe Gratitude up in San Francisco. And then it sort of expanded into Los Angeles. They brought in new partners that took off and then they went and actually created a farm in Northern California, 20 acre regenerative agricultural farm. And they just moved to Idaho and are starting a new creamery. And so they've really have embodied these practices. And it's just beautiful to see Ryland. He's taken it in his own direction with the organization Kiss the Ground and really building a national kind of advocacy around this idea of what regenerative ag and I encourage you to see the film Kiss the Ground on Netflix, which does a really good job of just showing this connection between this healthy soil that's so important to life, but how it also solves climate change issues. 
as we started the conversation with Rylan about his work, I want to start with him kind of describing where he was living at the time and the land that he's on. And he just has such a beautiful way to connecting with the trees and seeing nature from a very kind of earthly primal way. I live out here in, in Fillmore on a 17 acre regenerative organic farm that my sister runs called Soa Heart Farm and me and my wife homestead next door. And we have, we, we've converted a little trailer into our home with a garden around it. And I'm right here in this little tiny office next to the, that and up on the hillside above us, there's this, there's a big, beautiful, buoyant oak tree that's standing and puts shade over the trailer in the hot summer sun. And then next to the, next to that tree, there is another oak tree that when the fires came through here five, five years ago, it got burned out and it basically has fallen to the ground. It's sort of on its knees you know, down, kissing the ground and basically returning back to the earth after, you know, it, the life of the that form that was is now dissipating and decomposing and being recomposed back into mo the mother, back into the earth. And for me, it's just a beautiful reminder of, yeah, that that in life and in nature, there is this continuum of life and death and cycles and continuums. So fascinating that he used the word recompose and just having had the co-founder and CEO of an organization called recompose on our show last week. And I just looked up real quickly, the six soil health principles and they are know your context cover the soil, minimize soil disturbance, increase diversity, maintain continuous living plants and roots, and integrate livestock. And I just, I feel like when we hold those, like beginning with know your context, right? Like we each are rooted in a place and how do we sort of connect to that place and sort of recognize the lineage of that place, um, and at the same time, increase the sort of diversity and like welcome change. And I think that to me, it's just, there's so many beautiful principles that it's just not really about soil. It's just really about how are we trying to live on this planet together? And not to skip any steps in that. He talks specifically about these cycles and we need the old to breathe in new life for the new. And it's just such a beautiful wisdom for how do we navigate our own lives through these cycles. And Omar, I love that you knew the connection to Ryland's organization through this Rumi poem. And I would love for you to actually read it out loud to us with your beautiful voice as we kind of connect in to how does Ryland go from being someone who just is a lover of nature, inspired by his home upbringing, to then doing something professionally with his, uh, passionately around regenerative agriculture and nature. So let's start with just you reading that poem that really is the frame for Ryland's work. Today, like every other day, 
we wake up empty and frightened. Don't open the door to the study and begin reading. Take down a musical instrument. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. By Rumi. So Rylan talks about how in his 20s, he goes through a series of really deep spiritual experiences in nature, specifically time with the redwoods in California And then he goes to this conference in New Zealand and speaks to a panel of people that are devoted to really being in right relationship with the earth. And he shares this really memorable experience at this conference that literally set the direction for Kiss the Ground, the organization. The insight and revelation that I had in New Zealand 10 years ago where there became this, there was a panel discussion, five people were discussing, can human beings sustain life on planet Earth? And the answer was no for four of those fives. And the fifth person basically described this interconnection between soil, plant, animal, human, the atmosphere, and this transfer of living energy we call the carbon cycle. What was animated and articulated and illustrated for me for the first time was this way that humans could work in relationship to nature such that nature could not just be less degraded, but actually in our partnership, nature could actually thrive and be more abundant based on our participation. Now I know that this is not a new idea to me, This is an ancient and lived view of life by many cultures who were place-based and connected to the earth in such a profound way, whether it's just through tending land and cultivating food, but also those that had plants as medicine that ultimately led to ceremonies, which led to the recognition of this inter-being, interconnection, and our role in stewarding and serving the mother. And so then I, in New Zealand, I have this awakening moment of, oh my goodness, regeneration is possible. And sort of one of the key distinctions is like humanity, humility, and humus all have the same Latin root hum, which is of and for the earth. Coming back to that space of humility, of kissing the ground, recognizing that were this little, on some level, insignificant little speck of life. And yet inside of that surrender and let go and that humility, there there becomes this sort of invitation to recognize the beautiful role or peace or thing that we can bring to life. What he's bringing into this theme of community is really the land and the earth as part of the community that we all live in. And it's so easy to take that relationship for granted, yet it's core to everything that's living in the world. Like everything that we have that we can touch in some form comes from nature. And that's something I really appreciate about the way Rylan talks about his personal life and then his work is they're not separate. Like how he sees that oak tree on the land that he's on and 
seeing its cycles of being burned down and then other trees coming up around his land. If we can't be in relationship with nature and have that kind of connection, it's hard to really think about saving the planet, right? Like that's so, so much tagline. Like how do we save the planet? And it's also like, how do we still be rightful community members to Mother Earth? That's kind of what I felt from what he was saying is like, well, let's think about it in that way. Like how, what would it be like if we saw the earth and the land and the plants and the trees as part of our community? How would we take care of that relationship differently if we saw it that way? I can't get out of my head this image of a bleeding heart. like a, And in some ways, for me, there's a little fear that kind of comes out of this idea of like, oh no, my heart is bleeding and there's this sort of depletion of life. But really, it's about saying like, hey, we each are part of this and how do we share? Like we can't just hold on to everything ourselves, right? Like part of it is then giving and participating and opening up and saying like, hey, you know, there's this exchange that's possible, but that exchange isn't possible if we just hold on to everything ourselves. I have a memory of Omar saying something about the root of the word blessing comes from to bleed. Is that correct, Omar? Because I had never known that connection, but I wonder if there is something about the bleeding heart being like the way we bless from our hearts. Yeah, so the in German, it's blotham, which means to sacrifice with blood. So to say that we're blessed is to recognize the sacrifices of others. And so, yeah, it's a beautiful connection that you just made. How do I bring more love to the world? That's I think many people have that idea, but you know what's the mechanism, the vehicle, the expression? And kiss the ground became this expression of love for the earth, but also a love for humanity. In that it felt like the most impactful way that I could make a difference for children, for human health, for generations to come, was to bring awareness to this important thing, which is soil, which is essentially the six inches of living topsoil that goes around the planet that some call the ecstatic skin of the earth. And how can we bring awareness to the preciousness of it and the value of it and also the sort of surprise blind spot opportunity that it could be the greatest carbon storage shed of excess CO2 that's in our atmosphere causing a problem that it actually could be the missing ingredient to heal and glue those soils back together with those carbon glues that the plants could pump into the soil through the photosynthesis process. And so I've been on a 10-year mission to have that awakening that happened at 19 and then happened at 2024. And then with the Kiss the Ground film that Omar shared was like part of the fulfillment was like, how do I get this awakening to happen collectively around the world such that people get that there's this horizon of hope and there's an opportunity for all people to feel a sense of optimism and possibility for a way that 
humans could actually play a role, not just through like some sort of somehow technology in the future is going to save us, but actually really understanding the system or flows of energy that actually could lead to a healing and a regeneration of our planet Earth. There is hope in our future. And in our past, right? Like, I think that's part of this beauty, right? The sacrifice of blood of others. Like, you think about the people who came before. You think about, I said, the soil is really this six inches of layer. And those principles was like, hey, in order for this soil to really be healthy, it has to take root, right? Like, we can't disturb it. We have to actually let it sort of kind of exist, right? Like as it is and you think about like the skin around your body right like if it if there's a cut like there's a scar that comes afterwards trying to heal itself and so like how do we kind of give ourselves the space to heal and this might be a total tangent but like i've been drinking aloe juice every morning for the last few days as a way to sort of heal some stuff in my gut, I'd only known aloe as something you could put on your skin and it's great for like healing a superficial wound. But I didn't realize that you could also just blend it and drink it and heal internal wounds as well. And so I just like, how do we find that connection to nature and really absorb it? Like, how do we really protect it in a real way, in an embodied way? And I've recently started to just make more physical contact with soil. It does feel so grounding and so nourishing to actually touch the soil. And I think there's even research out there that talks about how that's actually good for your health is to put your feet on the ground or touch the soil. I mean, that's the most, in some ways, most intimate contact we can make with Mother Earth. We're going to start to wind down towards our practice, starting with just how Ryland connects in with nature as like a good friend, as a, as a community member in his life. Are we putting any time and attention into our relationship with the natural world? How, how do we have how do you have good friends? You spend quality time with them. <laughs> How do you have a quality relationship with the living world? You start tending to it. You start having a relationship to it. You spend time reveling in it. I would say two years ago, I had been living in Venice, California for 10 years. And we had planted some fruit trees and I had started a compost bin. And we were creating little beautiful, we had little patches of dirt behind our little house that we, but ultimately I started diving in and creating, you know, that relationship. There's so much art and beauty from the lineage of the past uses the reference of nature as how it articulates. And until we're actually sitting in a garden and seeing how the roots go into the ground and then where there's roots and plants, there's moisture there, there's life there. There's, there's soil structure there. So, but where there's no plants, there's no life. There's just dust, dirt. When you start spending time in nature, 
or tending to nature, whether a garden or on a farm or even just in spending time in a park or on a hike or in the natural world, when we're in nature, where is our attention? Are we observing and, yeah, are we observing and asking to learn and asking to receive something from what we're seeing? We talk about like that connection between art, nature, and gratitude all the time. And so just that translation of art, nature, and gratitude of just like to know a flower, to know the roots of it is to be in the context of something and to build that relationship. And then and sometimes it's just an expression of poetry to capture that beauty, right? Or that change in all the different ways that things can change. The thing that just popped out for me in this last bit was about how he said, how do you spend quality time with, how do you get to know a good friend or spend quality time with a friend? I actually see these plants that are in my life as friends. I mean, I talk to them regularly. And I guess when you look at it from that point of view, it's like, can you imagine, how do you notice your friends, right? It's, I think it's as simple as that. And why do we not think of nature as our friend? And so, but any, I have to say, there's so many things in this conversation that are so interesting. I really loved um I really loved hearing the new thing for me that I heard was this to kneel and kiss the ground as a form of humility is just such a beautiful and poetic concept. And so there's so much to learn from nature. So as we wind down with our tradition of our practice for every episode, I invite you to cultivate quality time with a plant that is already in your home or treat yourself to a potted plant or a flower that is not quite in bloom that you want to buy for yourself and just have that intention of holding that plant or that flower as part of your community and think about the time that you spend tending to that plant as quality time. So how do you want to nurture that quality time? For me, I've been, especially in the winter, buying myself these stargazer lilies. And I intentionally buy them when they're not in bloom. So I can slowly watch each one as they open and notice what happens as one starts to wither and another one starts to open and just kind of trimming the stems and feeding the water with clean water. Just something simple every week to nurture that relationship can bring new perspectives on the cycle of nature and the beauty of that relationship. Thank you, Belinda, for that beautiful practice. Thank you, Arlene, for your stories and reflections. And thank you to our listeners. We feel like we're getting to build this community with you. We'd love to hear from you. There's In the show notes, there's ways to reach out. Simple as email, hello at gratitudeblooming.com. We're really trying to, in 2023, explore how to build more connections, to spend more quality time together in building this community. So we'd love to connect and hear from you.
And as always, if you want your own gratitude blooming experience, we have the card deck and the new journaling note cards in our shop at gratitudeblooming.com. And we have these fun new wood stands now that you can put your card on and just have it be a reminder from nature. It's another way to cultivate quality time for yourself and with nature. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.